This is the Fearless Presentations Podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hello and welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast brought to you by the Leaders Institute and fearlesspresentations.com. I'm your host, Doug Stannard, president of the Leaders Institute, and this is the podcast that helps people just like you get rid of public speaking fear and increase your success by increasing your confidence when you communicate. Today, the hot topic is about how people judge our competence based on the confidence that we show when we speak, especially if That is a first impression. And so stay tuned for some great details about how to create that first impression to where you're you're showing yourself as being a confident and poised person in your industry. So the podcast is brought to you by FearlessPresentations.com. The Fearless Presentations public speaking class is the absolute fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Now, I know that a lot of you listening are just like me. When I when I have a challenge or I need information about a challenge that I have, I first go and Google that challenge. You know, I'll type that thing into into Google and look for for information. I then read articles. I'll watch YouTube videos. I may even subscribe to a few you know email newsletters because we we've always been taught that the more that you know about something, the more skilled that you'll be in that area. In fact, that's why probably a lot of you that have subscribed to the podcast or are listening to the podcast each week is because you want to get more information. So you're more educated about a, about a topic. And, and by the way, all of that stuff is fantastic, but unfortunately, the fear of public speaking is something that is really impossible to solve alone. If that challenge that, that happens, that challenge that you're experiencing happens to be something really personal, personal, then you know, you will definitely almost always want to try and to, to solve that challenge alone. But public speaking is something that you really can't, if you have a public speaking fear anyway, you really can't get rid of that alone. The only way to become a competent presenter is to get up and do it and to have a series of successes under your belt. The more successes that you achieve, the more comfortable that you will become. That's why the Fearless Presentations class works so well. First, you know, folks come to the class and, and it, it, the class really allows you to string together a series of successes in front of a group in a really, really short period of time. So that really boosts your confidence right off the bat. Secondly, though, and, and maybe even more importantly, is that it's a shared experience with other class members. You'll be with a, a select group of people, fewer than 10 people, really. And every one of those 10 people will be striving to conquer a challenge, to conquer the same challenge, become more competent, to become more confident in, in when they speak in front of a, in front of a group. And if you're actually listening to the podcast around the time of its release, then we have the classes coming up in Philadelphia and Portland and Chicago, Minneapolis, Denver, Miami and Charlotte. All of those are in the next four weeks. And if I didn't mention a city near you, just go to uh, fearlesspresentations.com and select the seminar schedule link for a list of those upcoming classes. So we look forward to having you in one of the one of the upcoming two-day Fearless Presentations classes. So let's get on to today's hot topic. 
So today's hot topic is a real is about self-confidence and it's really about how people judge our competence based on the confidence that we show. Uh, so let me just kind of get started with with talking about the importance of self-confidence and and why the more confident at least that we appear to other people when we communicate with them, the more successful we're going to be. You know, as I mentioned before, people will judge our competence based on the confidence that we show. For instance, I'll give you an example. Let's say you're going in for surgery, right? and just before you go under the knife, the surgeon walks into the room, and his posture is kind of slouchy. You know, he's kind of slouched over, and as he speaks, he kind of stumbles over his words. Um, you know, and and he's, you look down at his hands, and his hands are kind of shaky. There's a good chance that if you're seeing that percept, you're creating a perception of that surgeon based on what you're seeing at that at that moment, and it doesn't really matter how good of a surgeon that person is, there's a good chance that you're probably going to want a second opinion, maybe even a third opinion at that point. And you're probably going to want those very, very fast. Well, it's the same in just about any industry that, that people are in. People judge how well we are at what we do by how confident we are when we communicate with them. So if we speak with poise and with confidence, then they will automatically make the assumption that we are competent in that area of, of expertise. And what we basically what we're doing there is is that they will they will believe that until we prove them otherwise, right? Until we do something really stupid. So for the most part, that first impression that people have is really vital to to it's a vital hurdle anyway to to overcome in order for people to understand how competent that we are at what we do for a living. So. Um, the, the opposite is true as well, by the way. It, when we speak with nervousness or fear, the audience will automatically assume that we don't know what we're talking about until we prove ourselves otherwise. So, so if, we, if, we, if we present ourselves in a confident way, if we're poised when we speak, people will automate the, automatically make the assumption that we're competent at what we do. And if we're nervous and timid, they'll automatically make the assumption that we're not competent at what we do. Uh, you think about any situation where you've had to hire somebody out to, to do work for you, especially when there happens to have been a significant investment necessary for that for that work. Uh, so if you think back to any of those situations that you've had in your life, how did you judge whether the person was competent? Well, there's a good chance that you, you likely conducted some kind of interview and you probably also listened to not only what the person said, but also how he or she said it. And I'll give you an example. My wife and I remodeled our kitchen a couple of months ago, about a year or so ago now. And in order to, and, and basically since um, uh, she, she since this was kind of her project, she took on the bulk of the of the role in hiring the contractor. So, and she she wanted to be very thorough. So she called about a dozen different contractors, and she conducted phone interviews with them. Uh, so she basically out of those twelve contractors that she called, some of them never even called her back. A couple of them never even called her back. So that the list got a little shorter very quickly. Of the ones that did call her back, she had a series of questions that she asked each one of them. She asked the same set of questions to each one of them. And, and as a result, she was able, able to eliminate a, a few more based on the responses that they gave her. So she actually ended up with about two candidates out of, out of the dozen or so that she called. There were only two that, that 
she felt was that she felt comfortable enough to to hire and she wasn't really sure which one to go with so basically what we did was we got quotes from each one of those so the very first one that we went to we had us come to his office and and it was actually only a couple of miles from our house so it was actually very convenient so when we walked into his office though <clears throat> he he was a very friendly guy he invited us in he invited us in he had this huge office though that had all kinds of really cool technology type things. In fact, he had a he had a big screen. I, I would say TV, but I don't think it was a TV. It was more like a, a movie screen that was hidden behind a wall. He pushed a button and the wall kind of opened up and and uh, and it had his his presentation on it. So it was it was actually a really cool meeting. Anyway, I was I was very impressed with this guy's success and how well he was at communicating his ideas. Uh, so he showed us a video of a rendering of the remodel kitchen that was exactly what my wife had pictured. Right, the, the, It was exactly the way that she had described it to me. And the interesting thing about that sales pitch that he that he gave us was that he didn't actually do a whole lot of talking with us. He 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 basically asked my wife a couple of questions and designed the entire thing off of intuition pretty much. And the way that he did it though, was he listened to the questions that she asked him and then created the the rendering based on his interpretation of why she was asking those questions. So, so I was really impressed with him. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the big problem though, that, that um, was that at the end of the presentation, you know, he, he was kind of him and hawing about the price. And I kept, I was thinking, you know, just show us the price for God's sakes. Right. And when he finally did, I, I think I threw up a little bit in the back of my throat. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, holy crap, what? Are you out of your mind? It was so huge. I, I couldn't even fathom spending that much money. Uh, so we went on to the second guy. The second guy actually came out to our house, and the only thing we brought with him was a photo album that had basically photographs of different projects that he'd worked on. And he asked us questions while, you know, while he was sitting at our kitchen table and, and we kind of told him an idea of what we had. And, and actually our ideas had actually changed a little bit after watching the, the first presentation, but that's kind of beside the point. But basically when, as we would give him ideas of what we wanted to do in the kitchen, he would quickly flip through a photograph in, in one, in that, in that book that he was carrying and say, was, are we, are you looking for something like this? And, you know, nine times out of 10, when he would ask us that question, we'd go, yeah, that's exactly what we're looking for. If, if it was a little off though, we'd kind of tell him and then he'd find another picture that was a little closer to what we were looking for. So it was a neat, it, a, a, a different type of presentation than the first one. But still, we could tell by the way that he was answering our questions and by the way that he was, he, the, the confidence that he was showing in his presentation, that he was competent, that he would, he would be able to do the job really well. So, so basically what, what we ended up choosing him to, to remodel the, the kitchen. And a lot of times when I, I, I've told that story a couple of times, quite a few times actually in the, in the, uh, the two day fearless presentations classes that I teach. And I think a lot of times when I tell that story, people kind of miss the point. They think, oh, well, you chose the second guy based on price. That is somewhat true. I mean, yes, the, the, the price did play a big role, but you got to think about it this way. If that guy had not proven to us that he was competent to do our, our project, then we would have gone with the first guy, even though he was a much higher price contractor. We would have paid the extra the fee because... 
we're going to live with that that kitchen for you know 10 15 20 30 years maybe so so it's you know we, we it was a big buying decision so we wanted to make sure that we didn't make any mistakes we wanted to make sure that the person that we hired was really competent but the the, the thing that people disregard when they, when they say something like oh Doug you just bought that on price is they forget about the other 10 contractors that wanted to actually build our remodel our, our kitchen as well there were 10 of them 10 of the 12 that my wife called that were eliminated because they didn't hit the first criteria they didn't seem competent enough to where we would trust them with our kitchen and and that's kind of the the big thing to 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 kind of pull away from the story is that when we're communicating with people that first impression that we make that poise that we that we show the the, the ability to answer questions when when the person asks us all those things are vital to the perception that is created in the mind of the of the person who we're communicating with I give you another example one of the things that that I um, that I kind of talk about a lot when I'm training people is what I call a trainee perception and I'll give you a real example uh, from from real life this was actually just a few weeks ago I was um, Took my kids out to a fast food place. I think it was Arby's, but uh, it was uh, we were basically just ordering some sandwiches, and and there were two registers that were open, and uh, one of the registers had a really long line, one of them had a short line. So me and the kids kind of moved over to the short line, thinking I was doing something really smart. The but I got up very next. We were the next people in line, and we started to give our order. And and I when I kind of told the person when I told the guy. It was taking the orders what I was what I wanted, which was a little different. It's actually my son's order was a little different than what's on the menu. He had this kind of weird look on his face, and it, it was like a, a blank expression for just a split second. It wasn't very long, but it was long enough for me to kind of form a, a, a first impression of that guy where I thought this person is not very sharp. <laughs> you know, I may have made a mistake getting in this line. And I watched his fingers kind of searching across the electronic menu, you know, looking for what he was looking for the uh, the correct button, and everything. And I and I could see his fingers kind of trembling a little bit. And all of a sudden, when I saw that little finger tremble, my perception changed. It was no longer, hey, this guy isn't very sharp. It was, oh, this guy must be a trainee. And and what I did was I looked right at his name tag, and it had right, it had underneath, it, it didn't even have his name on there. It just had trainee. It didn't have his name listed on there. It had trainee in small letters. And so basically, oh, by the way, just so you know, the guy gave us great service. He did f- phenomenal. We got our order exactly right, and it didn't take that much longer than we we still got our food faster than the people that were in the long line. So so it was actually still a pretty good decision. The, the point is, though, is that his self-consciousness caused him to question himself. He knew what he needed to do, but when he questions, questioned himself mentally, it showed in his behavior, that nervousness kind of showed. The nervousness came through to me uh, as him not being good at the work that he was doing. So he was—he had gone through the training. He knew what he was doing, but because of that nervousness, he looked initially that he was incompetent, but in reality, he was actually pretty good. So, uh, so every time that we interact with other people, especially in the business world, we create an impression on those people. I think back to the the challenges that I've had in public speaking, and uh, as well as you know the successes that I had, you know that I've experienced as well. So those two things together kind of form perceptions in my mind. The difference between 
the times when I was really nervous or the times that I had a failure and the times that I had success or the times that I appeared really confident, there was really only one major difference. And the one major difference was how I felt about myself at that time. Uh, For those of you who've kind of listened to the podcast for a while, you'll know that I I often kind of talk about how I got into public speaking or why I got into public speaking training. And, and, and it really stems back from a big failure that I had in college that, that, I, and, and if you haven't listened to any of the early kind of podcasts, then, then it's kind of a good laugh if you, if you listen to it. But when you kind of, kind of tell you about my story, because I, I had a, an internship with a big oil company and I did, it was a really cool three month experience. But at the end of the three months, I had to fly to Dallas to give a, a, a presentation on what I'd done for the, for the, for the summer. And I bombed it. I just bombed the presentation. It was, there was so much pressure put on me. There were a lot of vice presidents from the corporate office that were there. I, I felt inferior to every single person that was in the room. And as a result, I, I really flubbed the, the speech. But it was less than a year later, after doing some some extensive studying, I guess, would, would be a good way to kind of explain it because I've read a lot of books. I, I practiced at some toasting clubs and stuff like that. I, I had a, my second presentation was almost exactly one year later, and it was in front of about well, I mean the first one that I did in for the internship, I think there was maybe thirty thirty five people or so in the room. The the second time I got up in the business world though was to receive an award, and there were I think there were six or seven hundred people in the audience at that point. The difference though was that the award that I was receiving was for the International Student of the Year. And which was, I, I mean, I was honored. I mean, that was really one of the, the coolest experiences of my life. The, the neat thing about that particular speech, though, was that I knew going in that I had done something that very few people, if any, in that audience had ever done. There, I, I mean, I know that at the point that I received that award, there were only, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 people in the entire history of that association that had ever received that award. And the odds that any of those 15 or 20 people would be in the audience were, you know, maybe one or two, but certainly not all 20 were going to be in that audience. And so out of 600, most of the people that were in the audience were going to be people that have never done that. I was now the expert on that particular thing. Nobody else in the audience had really experienced that. So it, it gave me this, this confidence. It gave me a, it gave me a, a sense of purpose. Uh, unlike the previous summer, when I felt inferior to everybody in the room, when I walked in to receive the award, I, it was almost, I don't want to say I, I felt superior, but I felt at e- more at ease anyway, because I, I knew that I knew that I'd worked hard for it. I knew that I deserved it. Right. So, it was it was a neat thing, uh, but the only thing that really shifted, although we ha- I had done training in the in that year uh, to get better at speaking, the main thing that had shifted in that year from the time that I had the failure to the time that I had success was my mental attitude. I I, I changed the way that I thought about myself, and that's really the biggest first step in creating that perception of confidence in the in the marketplace place, and that realization is is really freeing it was really freeing for me anyway um you often see name tags with trainee in hourly positions like at fast food places you know where you never see a a trainee name tag though you never see airline pilots with the word trainee written on their on their tag right you know but but um and interestingly though pilots speak 
at least twice on every flight, you know, and they're probably going to fly, you know, sometimes 10, 12 times a day for, for some of them, maybe only three or four for others, but they're flying a lot. So they're going to make, they're going to make an announcement as the plane gets up to their cruising altitude. They'll make another announcement just before they start the landing procedure. And, um, the, the, that, that announcement, although it's fairly simple, it's always extemporaneous, right? I mean, it's not like they're reading something. It's they're they're making a uh, like an impromptu speech a couple of times in, in midair. I bet you, though. I, I mean, I'm not a pilot, and I've never trained to to be a pilot, and I've never actually applied to be a pilot on a commercial airline or anything like that. But I can bet you money. I could, and I would bet a substantial amount of money that there have actually been pilots who have lost their jobs or had not been promoted to the main pilot on, on a plane because of the way that they communicated over a loudspeaker. Because when someone is flying a commercial airline, that person wants to be, when a person, when a passenger is flying on a commercial airline anyway, that the, each one of those people in the seats wants to be confident that the person flying the plane is competent. <laughs> so it seems like a minor point. But when that pilot makes the announcements, if he or she sounds nervous, that entire plane is going to start freaking out right away. It's not going to take very very much to to make the the, the passengers feel unease anyway. So what makes that this person so much more trustworthy to us when we're when we're sitting in the passenger seat and and we're listening? It, it a lot of it has to do with the training that they receive. You know, the training that pilot goes through is extensive. So as a result. You know, speaking on a loudspeaker a couple times is not that big of a deal compared to everything else that they're doing. You know what? It's the same way in every profession. The stuff that we do on a day-to-day basis that we spend so much time training for is way more important than how we're going to appear when we're when we're standing in front of a group. And and if you are really, really good at what you do and you're communicating to your audience about that thing, then your confidence should be fairly high because you're the expert about that. You know, to 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 be that professional person, the, the you want to exude self confidence when you when you present to present to groups. You want to you want to do that when you're speaking to individuals. You want to do when when that's on a one on one fashion. You also want to do it when you're leading people. That way, the outside appearance matches the inside confidence. The, the good news is that most often we're asked to speak in front of a group, and especially in a business setting, it's because we know more about that topic than anyone else in the room. Otherwise, somebody else would be speaking on the topic. So if you understand this principle, it will really help you carry yourself in a, in a really more confident way. When you get up to speak, guess what? If you're the expert in the room, you have the cookie. You have what the people, you have the information that the people in the audience really want and what they need. And you're the best person to deliver that information. Most of presenting is a mental game. You know, yes, we have to create a compelling speech and we have to be interesting and be entertaining. However, most of the time, your audience will create a quick impression of your competence based on how self-confident that you appear in the delivery of that information. And just like the pilot, the best way to create the perception of expertise is through training and practice. So the more training, the more practice that you get in front of a group, the more competent that you're going to appear. That's why a lot of times folks will register for our, our, our two-day fearless presentations classes. And, and sometimes they will actually go through our class once. And then a year or two years later, they'll come back and do it again. And then a year or two later, they'll come back and do it again. A year or two later, they'll come back and do it again. The reason why is that continual improvement always helps us be sharp. 
always helps us be effective at what we're, what we're doing. And we get better and better and better and better every time we go through one of these training exercises. So just like a pilot, sharpen your skill by getting additional training. Thanks a lot for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast. Make sure and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. That way you get the new episodes every time we submit one to iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.